welcome to the pilot episode of The Secret Runner, a weekly podcast in which I'll be talking to an international Ironman competitor, my secret runner, to get training tips and coaching advice for everyday runners like myself to reach their next personal best. It doesn't matter if you're doing couch to 5k, looking to run a marathon or you want to be the next Ironman, in fact you don't even need to be a runner, a lot of what we talk about will cover a variety of disciplines and will likely overlap with non-athletic training as well. So why is it called The Secret Runner? It's not just because the identity of my secret runner is under wraps, but because there's so many people out there running now, either getting started, or they've been doing it for years but never had the confidence to ask for help, or the drive to take it to the next level. So they're secret runners as well. So if this piques your interest and you want to know more, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Twitter at SecretRunnerPod, and most importantly, get in touch so we can help you out. We've called this one the pilot, as me and the secret runner are both new to this, so we're kind of pitching it to ourselves to see how it goes. If you have any advice or feedback, please let us know. We've really enjoyed our talks and coaching sessions, and recording this was no exception. We hope you enjoy it too. Let's get to it. Hello, secret runner. Hello, Pete. Um, so, seeing as this is the uh, first episode or the pilot episode, um, do you want to give us a bit of information about um, who you are and um, what your relationship is to running and, and why we find ourselves here? Yep. So, I've been running since my childhood, but always pretty casually. Just, you know, keep healthy, keep fit. But um, recently, I've wanted to start to improve my times to a level that I just don't think I can do myself. I've done half marathons and 10Ks and 5Ks and always enjoyed them. But to really get down to a, a time that I feel proud of, I've, I need some help. And you've been helping me and my time, you know, I've been shaving off my time and getting it low and really enjoying it. But you've given me so much advice and I just think you've got so much to offer uh, anyone that wants to improve their running that you're too good not to share with the rest of the world. So... I'm a casual, everyday runner who just wants to get better and finds it difficult to get past a certain point um, just by running more. There's more to it than just going for a run to to get, you know. Absolutely. And that's what I want. That's what I'm getting from you. And that's what I want to share with everyone else. So that's me, a normal yeah. human who just wants to get better <laughs> at running. And, but you are the secret runner. So can you tell me about yourself? Um, yeah, so I also am a normal human. Um, I disagree. But I I am further along on that journey, is how I would describe it. Um, I'm a self-coached athlete, and I've probably been on this journey maybe about 10 years almost now. I mainly compete in triathlons. I'm an age group competitor. I've been fortunate enough to go to uh, numerous championship events and compete there. Um, the more I find out in my training, um, the more I find myself being approached by others with, with questions. And those people, I think, often feel like they're bothering me. And they're not at all. I find it so interesting what others have got to ask me. Because of with my, my training and my journey and, uh, and so on, it's been a linear long process over 10 years. And like with anything in life, you forget how far you've come 
and you forget about what you were what you wanted to know and what questions you had earlier on so that progression feels really slowly so when so when you ask me certain questions it almost helps to remind me about things that i've had to look at and think about and take into account of how i how i've got faster over the years uh, yeah i know what you mean Sorry, about you. that from uh from teaching um others myself not running but um yes when you have to go back and when someone asks you a, a lower level or more basic question without being sound rude, it is good because you remind yourself, oh, how did I do that? Why did I do that? Or yes, you remind yourself of the position mm. you were in. So I can relate to that. That does make sense. And it is satisfying as yeah, well when yeah. you, you can confidently say to someone, oh, this is what you should do and you'll get better. I've been there. I've done it. And I know. So, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Um, but, so can you tell us some of your highlights of your um... your 10-year triathlon career and also i know the the variance because you there's a lot more to just triathlons yeah there is um so triathlon itself uh, a lot of people hear about it and those that maybe haven't come into contact with it too much they just see what's on tv the olympic triathlon which is a specific distance of 1500 meter swim 40k bike and a 10k run um but really the the comparison I use for that is that it's a bit like saying, right, we're going to have athletics in the Olympics, but then they just put in the 100 meter sprint um, and they forget about all the rest of the track and field. So um, triathlon and multi-sport is made up of various different events. Me personally, I started off doing sprint triathlon. Uh, which is sort of either a 400 meter swim or an 800 meter swim, um, followed by a 20k bike and a 5k run. Um, I then progressed from that into, and found myself falling into the world of duathlon, which is run, bike, run. Um, and that's still classed uh, as a triathlon. Well, I would say that it, it falls under the multi sport umbrella. Right, okay. There I had some of my early highlights, um, went to, uh, I think, um, two European championships and two world championships whilst I did sprint duathlon. was fortunate enough to win one of those European uh, titles early on. Um, and then from there I found myself skipping the Olympic distance and now I find myself competing in Ironman. And the pinnacle of Ironman is the Ironman World Championships, which is held every year in Kona, Hawaii. Um, and again, I've been fortunate enough um, to qualify for Kona 2021. So when is that taking place? So that will be taking or due to be taking place on the 9th of October this year in 2021, um, having been postponed from 2020. So is that your that's your big target at the moment? Your big that is my big target at the moment, but in, it's been, it's much more than that to me because of as soon as I switched over to long distance triathlon, that was my target all along. So since about two thousand and seventeen, I've been working towards that target. So it's been a a four year journey to get there. Um, I actually qualified at the very end of two thousand and nineteen, but. Uh, there's been some stuff going on in the world which has uh, delayed some bits and pieces. Yeah. <laughs> well, it would be great to follow your progress over the next few weeks and what you're doing to prepare for that. 
and see what I can um, take from that to improve my own yeah. smaller scale targets and progress. I mean, it'll be really interesting to discuss sort of like what you can take and and sometimes you'll be able to take things directly and sometimes you'll be able to take it, but we'll need to um, change it and adapt it specifically to your needs. So uh, we can go all over that. Yeah. I think that leads us quite nicely onto sort of the general point of what is the Secret Runner podcast about, um, which is... Or why is it called the secret runner, I suppose? And apart from the fact that we're keeping you a secret, at least for the time being, um, there's lots of people running and it and it is a lot of people don't want to talk about it. Like you said, lots of people approach you for advice, but I know a lot of people that don't want to do it. They're not happy to talk yeah. about running because they've just started and they're worried that they their time's not good enough or that they can't run far enough and they don't want to call themselves a runner. Um and also just people that just run and they don't even consider the fact that, you know, with a little bit of advice, um, they might be able to change their running or just take it, you know, to a slightly different level, which they may or may not want to do. And so I like the idea that there are lots of secret runners around um, who are just sometimes not ready or not motivated to, to try and seek advice and see what they can do to improve it, not necessarily just to be faster, but to enjoy it more and that absolutely applies to yeah swimming cycling and running and especially in cycling i think that stigma is um quite a big one in cycling world you have these uh unwritten gray rules called the rules of cycling and and as a result that that these rules can encourage people to feel sort of left out right uh and perhaps not quite so inclusive um, so I guess that's really what we're trying to do here is create yeah. an inclusive environment. Yes, and I, yeah. and whilst it's called the Secret Runner, it is yeah, it's uh, it's for any aspiring athlete or anyone that just wants to. I'm sure a lot of these tips and um, you know coaching advice will be transferable across disciplines, even outside um, outside triathlons. R running's just yeah. obviously the main focus for me, but yeah, there's there's lots for you to give. I'm sure that will apply everywhere so yeah, yeah. The, the aim is to help people whatever level they are and um, make the most of your incredibly good advice and encouragement that you've given to me and share it out to some other people that might be able to see even better from it than, than I can so that's the goal I can, I can absolutely um, give one example there because at the moment I'm heavily applying things that I've learned in triathlon and training uh, to learning a new language and there's there's so many parallels that can be drawn there. So yeah, yeah. yeah hopefully it'll it'll be more helpful everywhere. But but yeah, the, the way it started is I'm running, I'm trying to get better. You're helping me out, and you you have made a big difference. Um. So yeah, let's share your advice with with everyone else that's listening, and hopefully get some feedback from listeners, so that um yeah we can tailor it to suit other people and and. Uh, yeah, and see what else you're learning as you go along as well and what you can pass on to the rest of us. Sounds good. Being the pilot, the audience is very small at the moment, but I do have um, a question. And this is something you've helped um, me with recently, which is interval training. And I believe you call it perceived effort or perceived rate of effort. I can't quite remember. And the question was, 
for someone who is new to intervals, how can I judge my level of effort without using something like a heart rate monitor, which is pretty much exactly what I asked you a year or so ago. Um, so yeah, it's um, perceived effort, rate of perceived effort or rate of perceived exertion. It goes by many names. Ultimately, it's a scale from one to 10. And I'll explain those scales. But uh, what I would say is that this is a fantastic way, even if you have uh, got a heart rate monitor or something like that. If you're new to running or any kind of endurance sport, then it's great to get um, familiar with the rate of perceived exertion scale, the RPE scale uh, from early on, because it really helps with pacing, which in endurance sport pacing is a very important part of it. So like I say, one to 10, one being very light activity, and 10 is a max effort, something that you can't hold for very long at all, a very, very short period of time. We're talking 10 to 20 seconds. So like a, a flat out, flat out sprint sort of is a 10. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to be absolutely shattered by the end of it. So two to three, it's, it kind of goes up in twos really. So two to three, um, it feels is, is still very light. You can maintain that for hours. It's easy to breathe and carry on, carry on a conversation. And then four to six is a moderate activity. So you're, you're starting to breathe more heavily now. You can hold a short conversation. It might be coming out in sentences, shorter sentences, but it still feels kind of comfortable. Um, then we're moving into seven to eight, and this is a more vigorous. Um, it's kind of feeling a bit more uncomfortable now. Um, you're short of breath. You can speak a sentence, but it's, it's harder to maintain any kind of conf- uh, conversation. And then we're on to nine, which is very hard. You can't hold a conversation anymore. It's intense. You can barely breathe and you might only be able to speak a word or two, a few words. And then finally is 10, your max effort. You're not going to be wanting to be talking to anyone and you're only going to be able to hold it for a few seconds. And so something that we can go over in future episodes is sort of like when, what scale to use when. But so for a basic easy run for myself, I'd be looking to um, go on a rate of perceived exertion somewhere between two and an absolute maximum of six. So you would be varying that across the run. Obviously, you'd warm up and then get into the stride. But would you look to just on any run, make sure you've got some sort of period where you're working a bit harder, even if it was only up to a, a six? It depends on the focus of the run. Um, so if you're doing interval training to put some speed into your run, then absolutely I would have various different intervals at different rates of perceived exertion. So you would warm up and then you might have certain, like six intervals where you're doing a set period of time uh between 8 and 10 rate of perceived exertion. Or you might be doing something more like a tempo run, which is to hold a slightly higher pace of running than an easier run, but you're holding it for a longer period of time, and so longer intervals. So that might be uh, an RPE of between 6 and 8, but you might hold that for 10 minutes as, as opposed to 20 seconds or 30 seconds. Okay. So that sort of thing you'd be able to do for a while, 
you know, maintain it yeah. for a few kilometers or something, that sort of thing, that sort of distance. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, uh, again, maybe this is a topic for future podcasts, but we can look at all the different types of runs um, and, and we'll absolutely be going over this with you when we look at your sure. training is sort of like your longer runs, your tempo runs, interval runs for speed work and, and everything in between those as well. So thinking back to when I was doing these intervals you were giving me last year, I do remember really having to consciously be aware of my pace to keep it up. I really had to think every step, keep going, keep going, keep going, because it was very difficult. Um, yeah. So up to 7, 8, um, that's when you're really starting to mentally pull yourself along. Yes. And then any, anything after that, it's you're coming from minutes down into seconds almost of how long you think you can maintain it for. Okay. Um and then the other thing that I would say is that you're not going to get that on one run. You're not. You're gonna. You're gonna get to start to get an idea of it immediately off one one run. But this is why it's an important thing to get used to early on when running because of it, it does take time to start to get that feeling of knowing what your four to six is or what your two to three is. Okay. Um, and the more you do it, like anything, the more you do it, and the more you're focusing on it consciously the more you all know where you're sitting and it carries over perfectly that if you do want to take it further when you start maybe looking at training to heart rate um, or training uh, with pace so how many minutes per kilometer you're doing it all is just another tool in your in your toolbox to use to help you So, Pete, there's some questions that I'd like to ask you so that I can establish some um, levels and bases, uh, somewhere to begin from to uh, create your training plan. They're pretty simple, so I'll just get started and start rattling through them. So, do you have an event or a date in mind that you'd like to aim for? Have you been running regularly recently? If so, what does that look like? For example, is it 20 minutes three times a week or have you been running five hours a day, five days a week. Do you have any current injuries? Do you have any old injuries? And do you happen to know your personal bests, any personal bests? It doesn't really matter what distance is for, but ideally your 1K, your 5K, your 10K and your half marathon. And then how much time have you got available to train per week? If you already know specific days and times, you can give me that information. If you're fairly flexible and you know that you've just got, for example, three hours a week, you can also just say that. Do you have any device uh, that keeps track of your distance and pace whilst running? And does that device keep track of your heart rate as well? And the final question I've got is similar to the first question. However, it is slightly different. It's around your goals. Do you have any particular goals in mind? And this could be anything from to run a particular distance, to run a particular distance in a certain time or pace, finishes in a certain position in a race, or I've even had before in the past, someone has come to me and said, I just want to be able to have more fun whilst running. So some of those seem obvious enough, like how often I can train and how long I can train for. 
Um, and I guess the goals just yeah make it obvious what I'm what I'm working towards. Why do you need such a variance on personal bests though? If I'm so my current goal is um, a forty-five minute ten k. That's like my big long-term one. Why do you need all those different personal bests for for you know if I'm focusing on one specific thing? I mean, it, it's it's not that I it's not an essential, but it it would be helpful. Um, the more information that I have, the easier it makes it. Um, so, for example, if you gave me your half marathon time and it was two hours, and then you gave me your one k time, and your one k PB was very similar to what you were running. 1k of each 1k for your half marathon i would immediately be able to tell right okay you've got just one speed that okay. you run at whether you're running a half marathon or a 1k i'm taking it to extremes quite a bit there because it's unlikely that someone would be quite to that sure, extent no, but, what you mean. but it is possible yeah someone's engine may be that they have a half marathon engine and that's that but if you have a goal to run a 10k in a certain time, then I know that we're going to need to bring down that 1k time first of all, in order so that you can get, say, down to a four and a half minute per kilometer to run your 10k time. Oh, okay, so you're yeah, okay. No, that makes sense. Okay. So some of these questions are more, like you say, they they seem quite more obvious, but they fall into two categories for me. Some are practical, mm. around what days you can actually train or how often you can train. That's just a practicality of being able to plan something to a time. And then you've got some which are like the personal bests in your goals and any events that you've, you're aiming for. And that's, that's, that's going to affect the training plan itself. That's going to affect the type of running that we do in that plan, the type of sessions that we do in that so plan. So in terms of how often I can run, how long I can run for in each session. I understand that that's, you know, just practical real life limits to when I can do it. But how will that make it more difficult for you, depending on how long and how often I can run for? Like, is it easier if I could run three hours twice a week or six times, like, you know, for one hour? Like, what do, is it going to make a big difference to you, depending on how free I can be? Uh, no, ultimately, no, 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 it's not. I mean, there there are things like I would always favour someone running shorter periods of time and more frequently. That's just going to be better for the body and better for progress and improvement rather than doing one big long run a week and that's it. Everyone has a life outside of running <laughs> um, and everyone has a hell of a lot more going on than just running. So for a, for a plan, first and foremost, for a plan to be successful... It has to be manageable and it has to fit in around your life. So you you can tailor it. I mean, there might be ideals, but even if it's not perfect, you'll be able to still tailor it to, to make the most of what is there. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, with in, in Ironman training, let's say someone has done many, done some Ironmans before. So they're, they're quite a well-trained individual. You could have that person, they might be able to spare 25 to 30 hours a week, which is not far off, sort of like what a professional might train. Or mm -hmm. they might turn around and say, I've only got 10 hours a week to train. 
those two training plans are going to look very, very different. It's not just going to be that the 30-hour training plan is a longer version of the 10-hour training plan. No, okay, that's cool. So um, so I'll send you all my answers off mic, and um, how long will it take you to put a plan together? I, I don't mean what day you're going to do it, but how long does it take to go through that to put a plan together? Um, again, it depends on... If this was... Uh, it, it makes it simpler for me the fact that it's just one discipline that it's running um okay. uh, slightly easier for fewer plates to spin all at once it's an afternoon's work at the most to be honest it's just like one session yeah. and if someone else wants to do this are there some good guides that they can use or anything online they can use to help tailor their own one based on these sorts of questions. oh my word yes there is there's absolutely tons the, out there maybe we can put uh, some links in the description or yeah something. I'll, have, I'll have a look online i mean there I, there is absolutely tons out there I, and and it's a it's a rabbit hole you you can go so far in so deep if you want and also there's loads of really nice and again accessible ones out there which you could just get uh, get up and running straight away okay good well i'll leave it with you and i'll talk to you next week then and see what my training plan yes. is yes cheers so that's me that's my training plan sorted that's what i'm going to be doing for the next week um well actually that's what you're going to be doing coming up with a plan for me for the week after so I guess I'll just do a little bit of light running but what are you up to what is your um, training plan for the next week so uh, this week that we're on at the moment um, I am currently on a rest and recovery week um, so without going too much into it because this is short this will be something that we'll cover off in future episodes but the idea of periodization um Something within that that's quite standard is that is training in a four week block. So I have three weeks of training where I uh, am training and then I'll have a rest and recovery week. Um, in those rest and recovery weeks, I perform some tests. So every four weeks, I just test myself uh, on my swimming, cycling and running. Uh, and they help to give me a gauge of how I'm progressing. Um which is, if you want to improve, you want to have markers mm -hmm. uh, in the sand to be able to see where it is that you're improving or if you're not improving, why that is. So beyond that... I was going to say, if you're, um, if you're resting but testing yourself, do you not have to push yourself in the tests themselves as hard as you can to... I... Is that not how it works? Does that not counter the I rest do. week? No, it doesn't. So in any given, well, hours of training in each week for me, um, it mo it changes throughout the year. Um, it, ultimately, it, it starts off with fewer hours and increases towards my end goal. Um, uh, at the moment, I'm doing about 14 or 15 hours a week of training. My training in the rest and recovery week drops right down to about well this week it's dropped down to about six to eight hours so from that it's reduced a, a, a significant percentage and any any training I do outside of those tests is very very easy very very easy um, 
and the tests themselves, they're not uh, like a... Re- I'm pushing hard in the tests themselves, but the tests only last maybe 30 minutes. So you're still yeah. doing six six to eight hours, was it, you said, of training a week on a rest yeah. and recovery. And this is where I find the parallels or the lack of them uh, like astonishing. Like six to eight hours a week is far beyond anything I'm likely to ever do. Uh, and that's a rest week for you. Never say never. <laughs> because because of I never... Everything is relative, uh, as you know, with, with almost anything in life. And uh, there was a time when I couldn't have imagined training six to eight hours a week. But it's been this gradual increase um, f- over 10 years. Um, and when I was doing sprint duathlons... Um, six to eight hours would have been a big training week for me. That would have been a really long training week. I, I did not train that much at all when I was um, doing sprint duathlon. I suppose the um, distances themselves just require more time to train. So even if you're doing the same number of activities, you just literally have to be on the road or in the pool longer. Absolutely. Oh, oh, uh, and where that changes when you get into real um, more endurance, marathons, Ironman, ultra running, um, there becomes a point where th- more hours doesn't mean that you're going to go faster. It doesn't mean, necessarily mean that you're going to progress. And it's at that point that things like certain focuses in training and having a good training plan, coaching, looking at test results, how you can progress. That's where all of those things really come into their own because of you you can't just pile on the hours and expect to get better. You have to be targeting something and training intelligently. So there's a, there's a common phrase, um, don't train hard, train smart. Um, yeah. And ultimately... That's what you want to do. There's no, there's no, there's never any shortcut. There's never any way you can cheat to get there. But there are ways that you can make that you can improve faster by employing certain techniques. So, uh, just to go back to your test, then. So, these tests are these just something you've designed yourself so that you can gauge. You just literally timing yourself and then like writing it down and then like looking at it again in the next four week block. So, um, I so for my. <laughs> There are things that I've learned over the years through reading various textbooks. Um, you could, if you wanted to, so for running, um, you could just say, right, uh, on, on my recovery weeks, I'm going to do a 5K test time trial to see what my current 5K time is. And you can keep track of your 5K time. Me, in particular, with my training, my swim test, I do a 1,000 meter time trial. And then I take my average... Um, times for each hundred meters right um and then that becomes something which feeds into the rest of my training plan that becomes a certain pace that i can hold uh, that i can hold a certain pace of swimming over 100 meters for x number period of time and then my my cycling and running test in fact i've got my cycling test right after we're chatting now um it's a 30 minute time trial in either cycling or running. And I record my heart rate for the last 20 minutes of that test. Right. And my average heart rate over the last 20 minutes of that test 
gives me something called my uh, lactate threshold heart rate. And what that is, once you've got your lactate threshold heart rate, you can calculate all your heart rate zones correctly. So when you got your Garmin, when you got your Garmin GPS watch there, it would have automatically set you heart rate zones and said, right, if you, if you're going between a hundred beats and 120 beats per minute, that's your zone one and so on and so on. And what that's setting it off really is, um, really general broad, uh, data around people's ages and height and weight and things like that. Right. Okay. So you need to perform these tests to really set those zones accurately. And so what will be interesting with the stuff that we're going to do with you is that I'm, you're going to be doing some tests okay. uh, uh, over the weeks and we're going to be able to set those zones more accurately for you. So how these tests will feed into me for next week's training is that I'll be able to look to see if my heart rate zones have shifted at all uh, after these tests this week. And then next week, when I go out on my um, tempo run in the middle of the week, um, my tempo run should be run at zone three, for example, if that's what it says in my training plan. I know that I'm running in zone three specifically between this heart rate and that heart rate. And I know that I'm running in the correct zone and that it's all accurate and that I'm urging the physiological changes that I want to stimulate the physiological changes that I want to accurately. So just to, I think, clarify it for myself. So the swimming is just a relatively simple average pace over each hundred kilometers across the time trial, which is how I've been doing my running just with kilometers and minutes. But when you do your running and your cycling, you're not so interested in the pace, you're more interested in the, the heart rate and the effort you're putting in at the time and i suppose is that be- yeah is that because the the pace is shifting quicker so it's more interesting to see how hard you're working as opposed to the specific time itself it's more because of actually the swimming so in swimming it's hard to recourse heart rate and your heart reacts differently when you're swimming um so mm-hmm. it's more that the, the data wouldn't be so accurate and so you've kind of got less to play with okay. in, the, in the swimming. That was going to be my follow-up the, question. Why don't you do it in the pool as well? But that, that answers it. Yeah. Okay. And to go back to what you were saying, in the swimming, in the running and the cycling, um, that's one way of doing it, and that's how I do it. Um, specifically in the cycling, um, there's so much more data so uh, around power and recording power, which is measured in wattage, mm. which can be done through the bike itself, through crank arms and through pedals and, and all sorts. Um, and um, you can set your zones, your power zones instead. So it's just knowing I can hold zone three heart rate for X period of time, or you could look at it as I can hold X number of watts for a certain period of time. Okay. It seems like a nice tidy way almost of relating back to the perceived rate of exertion that we were talking about earlier. It sounds like you're really just testing yourself and how long can you hold the certain zones for? Absolutely. It is a complete, yeah, it absolutely links back and that's exactly it. Um, And so why the rate of perceived exertion is so important is because I've had it in a race before in Ironman Zurich 
Um, and my watch that I was relying on for my heart rate and my pace for minutes per kilometers, um, just, it just wouldn't fire up. Um, and so at that point, um, you can either panic and run too fast or run too slow. Or if you've, if you've got that good level of understanding of rate of perceived exertion, then you should start to know and feel in your body. Um, in this day and age of science and gadgets and data, it's brilliant for training and it's brilliant, but there's always going to be times when you just, you just need to know your body and what your body's feeling. And that's why RPE is so, so important. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's, that's cool that, that it's linking back to, to the question we had earlier as well. So your plan next week then, you're, you're on a rest and recovery week, which includes your tests, which are then going to, yep. I guess, fuel your training plan for the following block. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So into a new four-week block. So we'll look forward to hearing your self-imposed test results next week then because you're doing this all, all yourself then. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah. So thanks, Secret Runner, uh, for all your advice. I'm really looking forward to not just doing the podcast with you, but also gaining from the training plan with you. And thank you, everyone else, for listening. Um, please, if you've enjoyed it, uh, like, subscribe, follow um, wherever you can. And please get in touch via our Twitter, which is Secret Runner Pod, so that you can ask us any questions that, that I can put to the Secret Runner as well. So thanks for listening. Thanks, Pete. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, I'm looking forward to following your progression, Pete, and also hearing from any of our listeners, any questions and their progression as well. So that's all from me, The Secret Runner. Off you go. Stay motivated and go share your secret. put this in as a blooper <laughs> okay all right let's do it <laughs> one two three rinse go again no, do, do we need to do this let's do it anyway three two one uh, whatever <laughs> you'll work it out <laughs>